Hello there, I'm Stefan Koritar and welcome to the Tech Talk Podcast. This is the show where you can discover insights and valuable information about how entrepreneurs build their startup in the tech industry and the way the technology world works. A collection of open talks about technology and creativity, people, experiences and life around tech business ecosystems. Everything with the main goal to help you get inspired, get started, dream big and build amazing businesses. My guest today is Adrian Cernat. Adrian is the CEO and founder of Smart Dreamers, a recruitment marketing automation software company, which is VC-backed with clients such as L'Oreal, Siemens, Temenos, Infosys, UiPath, and others. Prior to building Smart Dreamers, Adrian was part of another HR tech startup, accumulating over eight years of experience in the recruitment tech space. Adrian has started Smart Dreamers business back in 2014, as a regional player in the recruitment industry. In 2018, the business was pivoted to a scalable SaaS model with a global footprint. When starting the Smart Dreamers business, Adrian's experience was mainly in sales and extending in product and fundraising. Enjoy our conversation and if you liked the episode, please share it with your friends and subscribe to the podcast. Here is Adrian from Smart Dreamers. Hi Adrian and welcome to Tech Talk. Hi Stefan, thanks for having me. Um, I've been watching Smart Dreamers for quite some time and uh, I could I could say from, from the distance, watching your evolution, but um, we will definitely talk about Smart Dreamers in terms of what do you, what, what's the kind of the detailed stuff right around the, around the startup and in the startup. But before going into uh, those details, can you just you know tell me and tell the audiences what is Smart Dreamers and what do you guys solve? Sure. So uh, Smart Dreamers is a recruitment marketing automation uh, software, meaning that in a simplified version, uh, Smart Dreamers is a marketing tool dedicated for for talent acquisition. So if we look at the uh, marketing sales uh, market you are using HubSpot to create uh, or other or Salesforce or other tools to create an inbound marketing uh, engine that generates leads and accelerates your sales processes. So from our point of view, uh, talent acquisitions should have the same approach, building marketing engines for for recruitment. And that's what we are doing. And basically the tool helps uh, companies to centralize, uh, automate and accelerate processes uh, related to, to marketing for talent acquisition. So that's Marjimers in a very simplified uh, uh, version. And the outcome is companies, uh, usually, uh, especially enterprise companies tend to be highly dependent to, ad- to recruitment agencies, employer branding agencies, job platform, and that's not an ideal context for sure. Ideally, you have an engine and you generate most of your hires from your career page. To achieve that, of course, you need to invest in, in recruitment marketing. So that's an outcome of using SmartDemos, building a, a career page, uh, an engine behind the career page that generates organic applies, brings the best candidates faster, and optimizes the, the processes overall. That that's, that's a very unique spot to be in. And um, I mean... Did you like what was Smart Dreamers in the early days? What was this the initial idea, or how did you come to it? It was totally different. Uh, so, it, in terms of pivoting, it was a bumpy road, definitely for for us. 
so when we started back in 2014, we were, Smartimus was a social media recruitment platform and job platform. So it was a mix between two different products. I think we were most likely the first player to bring social media recruitment, even though social media recruitment um, now is very well known. Back in 2014, it was unknown. Uh, mm-hmm. Very, very few companies were investing in, in social media to reach candidates. So from the beginning, our idea was that companies need to reach candidates that fit in their culture in places where they spend time. So ideally, uh, you are reaching candidates that are not job seekers mostly because, mm-hmm. again, uh, only 20% of the market uh, of the working force are actively searching for jobs. Oh, so you yeah. cannot cover your roles only by targeting job seekers. So if you, only po- if you are only posting jobs, that's definitely not a good strategy. You need to be uh, uh, actively searching for, for the best candidates in the market. So we did have the idea of reaching candidates across multiple platforms, but definitely we didn't have the software as a service business model. We were a mixed marketplace, job platform. So we didn't have the scalable business model back then. And it changed in... In 2016, when we received an investment from TTS Capital Partners, uh, we had more money, but the, the issue wasn't gone. It was there, the issue of scalability. And when we started to invest more in marketing, we were aware that we are going nowhere. This is not a scalable business model. And mm-hmm. our ambitions was to build a solution that um, uh, scales globally. So uh, we were aware that we need to change the business model. But it was like quite an uh, timing was not very good for us because uh, once you receive a VC investment to change your business model shortly, it's not an ideal uh, thing to do, right? I mean, you ideally you receive an investment so that you can scale something that's already proven that it's highly scalable. Correct. So we pivoted heavily uh, in 2018 we did have like the same principle, let's help companies reach, reach candidates across multiple platforms. But this time we said we need a, a software as a service business model. Now, the, the, the ecosystem of Central Eastern Europe definitely has changed, but back then software as a service was still like a big question mark here in the region, very few players. So we didn't have the uh, solid experience, uh, but we said, let's do it. We have to do it. There's no other way around. So we we shifted to recruitment marketing automation in 2018. So yeah, that's a that's a, that's a, a bumpy ride, and you know a lot of changes. So um, maybe a couple of facts. Maybe you can share a couple of facts about pivoting, and you know what are the challenges when you have to pivot a startup. What were your challenges in in pivoting? So. So I think ideally you are pivoting prior to receive a VC investment. And mm-hmm. I think timing is more important than, at least for me, I am now looking, uh, looking in the past, I'm more aware that how important is timing for investment. So even if you have like, you have a VC ideally, but it's unusual for early stage. If you don't have like a spectacular traction, a VC coming to you, Hey, we want to give you money you need to have the question, is this the right timing for the business to, to receive money? And uh, again, the, the temptation to say yes, in receiving investment is very high and you tend to be run by emotional and not rational thinking more. So definitely it's, it's a challenging uh, thing to manage. 
so anyway, in our case, we, we had the VC investment, uh, which was overall was highly important, definitely, because uh, we had the resources to discover more in the market. So we had more resources. We started to go outside of Romania. We had meetings in Hungary, in Poland, some discussions in other markets from Western Europe. So we learned more about the market. Most likely we wouldn't have that calls and that, those discussions without the, without the VC in the game. Uh, but once you, you, you are pivoting, it, one of the big challenge, another big challenge is admitting that you have basically failed with your current idea. It's not the, oh, this is not an easy thing to do just to admit, yeah, that was my idea, but definitely it's not working. Mm -hmm. So there's a game with your own, I think, personality just to admit that, no, that, that, that was stupid. I need to change it like super fast. How how was that process? Did somebody help you go through that process? I mean, kind of make peace with okay, this is a not working idea. Not I don't, I don't want to say broken, right? Um, this idea is not working right now. I have to move to something else. What were like key motivators and people or things that helped you? Well, you know, there's a lot of saying in a startup world that is never give up, right? There's this saying never give up, which it's makes sense. But usually there are cases where it doesn't make sense. If yeah. it's something that cannot be solved, you should give up and try something else. So for us, uh, there were multiple uh, issues in the business where we said this can be solved. And the ideal, I mean, should we give more, uh, pour in more resources to solve the, uh, that issue or should we just get rid of an issue? And that's what basically, mm -hmm. so having a job platform meant that we were competing with other players, local players, leading players with high resources. Can we solve that problem? Very unlikely. Yeah. Get rid of the problem? 100%. Let's just get rid of the problem. We should not compete with them. Uh, so I think like, again, going to this example, if you have your business model is competing like with a leading player, you have the same structure, definitely it makes sense to, to shift because it's going to be hard to receive money. VCs will make an analysis, understand that actually you need a lot, a lot of money mm -hmm. uh, to compete with that player. So there's a low probability to, to raise money. So you need to, uh, to change that. So for me, it was just, again, uh, facing issues that, we we put a lot of effort to to solve them but we were aware that this is not not going uh, anywhere we need we need to change it uh, fast uh, and i remember i will never forget the board meeting when i went uh, i prepare for that board meeting a lot just saying to the investors hey guys we need to change we will not we need we will change the business model oh. <laughs> now you know, we invested in that database of candidates, like 300,000 gone, history. We need to, sh uh, to shift the business model fast. So um, what was their reaction to, to kind of your statement, not question or request for help? I will never forget one of Malin, who, is, uh, uh, who has been since the beginning. Uh, uh, he's in the board of directors and he led the business angel investment. He told me, uh, Adrian, I always wanted a scalable business model. Now that you have brought the discussion, I have question mark if this is the right thing to do. So watch out what you wish for. It might happen. That was yeah. the case. So my value proposition for, for the investors was, listen, we have a business model that we, can, can't, we cannot scale this business globally. It means that we need to receive money from the VCs from the region. The ecosystem is quite thin if you don't have global traction. So we need to change it fast. So 
we are very like uh, lucky to have a very good relation with our investors. So it, we didn't have a second discussion. It was two hour discussion. They said, let's do it. Let's mm-hmm. take a risk. You, you have to risk. There's, there's no other way. So it was quite smooth, the discussion overall, but definitely for me, at least, there was a lot of stress in just saying, you know, you invested six months ago in, that, in this business model. It's, it's history. We need to, to change it fast. It's super interesting. You, you said a couple of times, uh, you know, emotional and hard and stressful. And um, one of the key things that I want to ask you is, how did you felt when you kind of already knew that you will receive funding? And what was the impact of the VC money coming in? Like what changed? So our, that's a double question, right? How did you felt around the fact that you already knew? Yeah. So I think the, the for, for me at least, the after receiving the, the, the first investment from 3TS, I remember that I was like quite happy that it uh, prior to receiving the money, I was happy that it's happening. Mm-hmm. And this is a milestone for, for the business. But right after receiving the money, I was like, whoa, these guys have a lot of trust in, in, in me, in the team overall, that we will execute the business. Mm-hmm. And that it depends, of course, of your personality. But for least for me, it was high, high pressure, but a healthy one overall, does pushing it, me forward and so on. Does it bring uh, a sense of responsibility? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's more, uh, and by the way, I would like to underline here that it, it was even that the feeling was stronger when receiving the money from the business angels, because, you know, like business angels, they give you, they, uh, they give you money from their pocket. Yeah. Still today, it's hard to understand for me. Like it's, it's super what, it, what they're doing. It's a good angels is very well. It's a good word to have their, uh, their business angels because they give you money from, from their pocket and they know that, it's a very high risk for them. So mm-hmm. the only reason they give you the money, okay, oh, they do have a checklist like, okay, the business model makes sense, but mostly it's about you. Mm-hmm. Definitely has like, okay, these guys had, uh, have a lot of trust in me. They gave me the money, it's their money. So I yeah. need to make the most out of. Like, like playing poker, right? All in on Adrian. <laughs> exactly, yeah. 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 So that, that definitely puts pressure on you. Um, what would be like, um, you said that, you know, from a bumpy ride and growth and uh, a lot of stuff changing and also in our kind of, um, you know, uh, briefing discussion that we had, I know you had, you know, challenges while you were growing, uh, smart dreamers. What were some of the growth challenges you faced and how did you overcome them? I know you had, you know, you have clients like UiPath and, uh, other big enterprises, what were some things that were happening over there? Well, the, 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 so again, as I mentioned, having the full context, when we pivoted in 2018, our main goal was to sign global customers and to have a, a product market fit, meaning that we have a low churn rate, right? Mm-hmm. That's uh, uh, the basis for a successful software as a service business model. So we started uh, selling internationally in 2018, but to be honest, we didn't have any experience like just selling internationally to enterprise companies. How do their processes look like? How they will react? We had no idea, but we had to do it. So we started to traveling back and forward, uh, having meetings with Fortune 500 companies, 
uh, other enterprises, fast-growing companies, and so on and so forth. And it was very difficult to set up the meetings because, again, we did the new, like, how should we approach companies? Which are the best channels to do it? And again, there are not many companies from the region who have successfully done this. UiPath is definitely one of the exceptions who have yeah. done this like super successfully. But overall, there's a, there's a lack of experience in the market, how to sell to enterprise companies. And I think this is one of the, the downside when, when scaling from, central, uh, from the region, from Central Eastern Europe to, to new markets. Uh, if you are, okay, if you have a software as a service for SMEs, it's a different thing. Most likely you will rely a lot of, on marketing, but for enterprise, you need to have like human approach, uh, face-to-face meetings, not today in the current context, but in 2019 and 2019, it was a different story. So the challenge was, uh, how to convince someone from a fortune 500 or, or from an enterprise, uh, a global enterprise company you should take this software from a small company from Romania and implement it globally. Because uh, no matter how much you love your product, uh, definitely they, they are taking a risk, exactly like a venture capital. Because they might like, for example, our business model is uh, pay upfront for one year. So convincing mm-hmm. like an enterprise company to give you upfront uh, 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 payment to a startup, it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the, the effort paid off and we signed the global customers such as L'Oreal, which are currently uh, a smart e-commerce uh, customer in 28 markets. Uh, then we had Siemens. Uh, L'Oreal was signed in Paris. Siemens was signed in, in, uh, in Germany, but the discussion was started in Singapore, uh, Jampact in Europe, uh, and many others. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, Okay, we, we, we had a, a new product, we had the global customers. Again, most important for us was to, to prove that we have traction and we don't lose the customers because I think it's easier to make the sales process. It's more difficult to have your product on the long term uh, to successfully deploy your product mm-hmm. in an enterprise company. And in 2019, we had, we had a very low churn rate, approximately 4% churn rate, which was a good indicator that definitely there's something here. Our... A uh, new business structure, the new product is uh, is the right thing. So we were our assumptions were pretty accurate. Between those huge clients that you signed, which is amazing, and not a lot of startups can can do from you know from uh, maybe not CE but EE <laughs> Eastern Europe, maybe you know Central startups, uh, Central Europe startups do have uh, clients like this, but. Um, since you already signed clients like like those, uh, what were or what was one thing that you remember that was a challenge coming from from an enterprise that helped you or put you in a position that you know you had to buckle up, right? I know requests or stuff like that. Well, <laughs> I will never uh, I will never forget the the first process with procurement with an enterprise company. Uh, when they said, "Did you do you have this insurance and that and that and that?" So there were a lot of processes that we were missing, but uh, it was very helpful because okay, it's more difficult to sign the first customer. It's a little bit easier with the second, with the third. Then you gain experience. You understand how an enterprise is working, how to negotiate with procurement, how to discuss with the IT department, how to cover security and so on and so forth. But definitely with the first customer, it was like just 
let's close our, uh, our eyes and hope for the best. <laughs> that was the strategy with, in the, in the, procure, with the procurement uh, uh, team. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was good. So we learned a lot. Okay. And you also said um, at, uh, at a certain point that caught my eye is that, you know, you were focused on, on, on the product and, and, you know, other areas from that startup. What were the key areas, like if you're looking back at, you know, building Smart Dreamers, what were the key areas that you were focusing um, heavily on in the startup? Like, was it product? Was it which, which department? Uh, well, at the beginning, I, uh, I had zero experience in, in product. I mean, mm -hmm. not zero, but close to zero. Uh, and uh, Mihai, the CTO and, and co-founder, uh, uh, said we need a product manager, definitely. But we had a, it, it was very difficult to find someone with experience in building a software as a service. Again, the ecosystem is growing fast here, but it's not there yet. So it's very mm -hmm. difficult to find uh, product managers with experience in software as a service. So I was quite obliged to, to, to learn, but I had this passion in, in design at the basic level. And I will never forget when Mihai said, Adrian, you need to, to learn how to use Adobe Illustrator. You need to help me with the, with the screen. But I, I had no idea how to use it. Well, give it a try. And I started using Adobe Illustrating. And, and that's how it all started. And basically, still to, the, to this day, it's me and Mihai mostly involved in, in designing the product, uh, coming up with, with new functionalities. I'm usually the guy with the, I uh, need this, and Mihai has the logical uh, thinking yeah. in how yeah. to approach the, uh, a new feature in the product. So uh, my, my focus was split it, <laughs> so to speak between, of course, the, the relation with the investors, uh, product, and, and uh, business development. But I think it's difficult uh, uh, in a startup to have focus like only on one segment within the business. You are obliged to be, to be focused on, on multiple, uh, multiple areas, but definitely product was, was important. And especially it was important starting with 2018, one, once we had the new product, the global customers product was more and more and more important. And we are half of the team is in product development. So we are very focused on, on our technology. Okay, that's a that's a that's a good thing, and um, I'm I'm interested in in how did you approach customer care? And this is like a, a subject maybe close to my heart. And also, what I'm seeing is, you know, um, and I'm gonna name Romania here specifically as a country. We lack heavily customer care processes, procedures, trainings, and so on, uh, which you know Romania are, is lacking overall in the customer care department across uh, startups and you know sme um, uh, industry but um market i mean what what was your your kind of take on that well you you know i mean if you ask any company how is your customer success all of them will say super customer centric it's a main strategy we care about our customers like no others uh but reality is that for startups, definitely customer success can be a huge advantage. Uh, in our case, global talent acquisition teams are used in working with, with other big enterprises, offering software solutions. In our case, mostly applicant tracking system. Now, the communication with customer success over there, even though it's very well structured, better than in a startup, it, 
it's like very business oriented. Like you have this plan, it means you can communicate on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. If you want me to change something uh, to our integration, you need to pay X amount of uh, dollars. So it's very business orientated. In our case, our approach is more like uh, we are communicating with our customers on a daily basis. And when signing a customer, we say treat us like an extension of your department, not like an external supplier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we really mean that and we don't re- mean that just because we want like to check you know, yes we are a customer centric company it's we want to but we, we also we have to mm-hmm. because what's your advantage compared to other companies and our advantage is one of, one of the advantages is speed because no matter how good is your software customer success is, is, and I think it's more important actually than the software, at least in our case where the market needs to be educated and so on and so forth. So in our case, customer care is like, uh, we will communicate on a daily basis. If you want uh, something change, we will react super fast. Yeah. We will charge you most likely not. So uh, just to give an example, like uh, one of our customers, uh, we had an API integration. We did it like in one day. The other supplier, a Fortune 1000 company offering software solutions, were asking 25,000 euro for an API um, uh, change. Yeah. As a startup, definitely we, we have a huge, we can create a huge advantage uh, with customer success. And, it's, and I, again, my experience is with enterprise or fast growing companies. So I don't know exactly how it works in smaller companies, but with enterprise companies, it's definitely. Yeah, there's an open field, but you can create a competitive advantage. Um, since you already mentioned enterprise and fast-growing companies, I'm going to uh, ask you more maybe along the way. I just uh, remembered, you know, around the avatar uh, persona or the buying persona. But before that, um, I just reminded myself um, and also connected to customer success. I know I've been, I mean, me personally, I've been involved in a lot of corporate um, and slash enterprise, you know, uh, dynamics in terms of how things operate on that level from a customer success perspective and I know that that department is crucial into maintaining healthy and good relationships because you know sometimes the platform and when I say platform I say product not always meets the kind of expectations of the client because you know you have bugs you have crashes uh, moving from one environment to another and stuff like that but um, what I'm also interested in you know, and this is something that we talked, uh, is how did you, you know, the, the funny story with UiPath asking, uh, you, how it was from 2000, uh, 2000 jobs, 2000 jobs to 25 or something, 25,000. Yeah. Their, their growth and their their growth. So So that was, yeah. Yeah. UiPath was, uh, definitely the most interesting client for us. Uh, because we we started a collaboration with them back in 2017 mm-hmm. prior to their hyper growth, but they were on the path to hyper growth. And we said, hey, we have a customer, UiPath. We didn't knew back then about their, their potential. I mean, we had an idea, but definitely we haven't imagined and probably some of from the team didn't saw the this hyper growth. So uh but anyway we they were saying that the talent acquisition team that guys be prepared 
<laughs> we will have a lot of challenges for you. So when we started the collaboration with them, I remember they had like 200 applies on their career page. And after one year, they had 25,000. So not only like, it's not only their growth in the market, like market share, like revenue, everything was like in hyper growth mode, including the interaction with the candidates. And um, I remember Marius Estrate, who back then was the chief people officer, and he was the decision maker in, in, in buying uh, Smart Dreamers. He said, hey guys, we need to recruit in Japan. Hey guys, we need to recruit in South Africa. Hey, we need the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, advertising automation in in US uh, in South America we were like whoa wait a minute we don't have that move fast let's do it so their 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 appetite for growth helped us a lot to develop the product so for example we we had the integration with WeChat in China and that was the result of working with UiPath there mm -hmm. um, UiPath was the first customer who had this request we haven't thought like let's go to in China and have an integration with WeChat and then Siemens was using WeChat. And then we had other customers. So oh, it was nice. very, very, very helpful. Um, and definitely, again, it, it helped us uh, uh, a lot uh, because it took us out of the comfort zone in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, looking from outside at it, it's like UiPath came to you and starts, you know, swinging this these tennis balls to you, like, you know, catch this one, catch this one. <laughs> That's a good analogy, yeah. <laughs> Um, we were privileged to 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 work and continue uh, working with them but that's great i mean you know uh you know that saying you know when you put a, a stone under pressure you, you get a diamond so i think that was also from an analogy perspective that was something that happened to you and uh you know from from this from this experience do you think you can you can say or kind of um, assume that uh, your avatar persona or buying persona was defined because you said at, at a particular moment that you know your um, buying persona is enterprises and, and fast-growing companies. And can you can you explain us why did you came to that conclusion? So and how maybe? Well, where are the money? Basically, that's the first question. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, where where okay? You have to. Is there a need? first question is there like in a logical uh, structure is there a need yes there's a need where over there 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 but do they have the money and uh even if it's a need even if they have a need it doesn't mean they have the money they can have the need and not, no money available so for us was and of course looking at the other companies that have successfully scaled in the talent acquisition space uh enterprises and fast-growing companies are the best market for us because they have a high need in in hiring so for fast-growing you have like series a series b plus 100 million one of the challenges for you is most likely you have a scalable a super scalable business model because that's why you received a, a, a solid investment you need to fulfill that growth with a good team Mm -hmm. a solid team and you need to hire super fast so that's an ideal context for us at the same time in terms of budget availability it's also a good context because uh these are companies that are heavily funded and are willing to invest in something that will help achieve their goals in in growth uh, with enterprise companies it's a little bit more more difficult because of time uh, the time it takes to to sign an enterprise company uh there are a lot of there's a lot of bureaucracy involved uh, in the process but they have the need because even if they slow down in hiring because they are big 
they will still have only from the turnover there's a huge need in a, in an enterprise uh, uh, company at the same time a fact about the talent acquisition ecosystem tech ecosystem it's pretty old school mm-hmm. it's it's quite old school and it means that we can bring a lot of uh, 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 added value with our product like uh, have a solution deployed much much faster from one year to one week mm-hmm. and enterprises why that's one of the other reasons why why the enterprise uh, sector is very appealing to us uh, so that's how we define the the market the need and the budget availability it's super interesting in how kind of um I'm in a position of uh, of a analyst guy right over here and it's super interesting how smart gym is right now is positioned even from a business point of view and also from a technology point of view being a SaaS company um that you kind of solve both uh, you know uh, at both ends you solve uh corporates which which kind of have these difficulties around you know like you said turnover and then uh you know uh, geographical spaces i mean your applicability it's uh, you know uh geography agnostic if i could say like that and then you come and solve the other you know issues for fast growing companies like hey we need something you know streamlined automated we're growing fast and and so on so that's a super super cool kind of intersection or sweet point to be in i mean from what i see it is i mean it's going to be the future is bright for you <laughs> yeah i mean it it also gives it's it's a good uh, since we have these two markets uh it gave us the flexibility to change focus based on the market context and definitely we have an, a very interesting context nowadays so it means we are more lean towards uh approaching fast growing companies uh because they have higher flexibility in budgeting uh mm-hmm. unlike enterprise companies where you might end up having uh, the procurement uh, blocked or stuff like that Yeah. So it give us flexibility to change focus based on market context. Yeah. Which is very good of course. Um you said something around churn rate, right? Having a really small churn rate and that's a good thing uh as metric for a SaaS company. Um could you like maybe share some some more details around that? Do you think like churn rate is very much connected to the product market fit and you think that you kind of nailed that very well? it was i don't think is not this year it's is very unusual yes. so for example uh again being transparent uh we had customers who we lost for but not forever it's just like the context like our product had the perfect fit the the buying persona was super happy but their budget was like cut heavily because mm-hmm. they were in the uh, uh retail industry uh and heavily impacted and so on and so forth so you might end up having a, a customer that's lost but it's not because of the product it's just because of the context so i think churn rate analysis this year ha- uh, has to be made more in depth so you just, you cannot look only like i have 20% churn rate or 10% or 5% that has to be an understanding this was a product fit problem or this was just because that Mark, company yeah. is cutting costs and again we see a lot of pr pushed in the market like uh, companies are digitalizing automating processes it's happening but definitely not at, the, at least from my from my point of view from things i i see in the market 
there are a lot of companies also cutting costs heavily. That, that's a fact. It's a, uh, not all companies are doing great nowadays. So with that companies, uh, they will just cut everything uh, mm -hmm. that is not like crucial, crucial for the business. So uh, uh, if we look, for example, at LinkedIn, LinkedIn, they had to optimize their costs globally. There's a reason behind. So it's, and it's LinkedIn. Again, it's not like a, a small startup. So I think churn rate for most companies will increase this year uh, by large margin. Uh, and uh, again, it, there has to be an understanding of why. Yeah. Is something a variable related to product or is something else? Now, for 2019, for us, it was more like it was a super good year overall especially the second half uh, because we had a very low churn rate. We only lost one customer, but it was a project based. So we were still uh, using the old product in relation with that customer, but with all the other customers, more exactly 21, no, 19 enterprises, uh, we, we continued the collaboration. Mm -hmm. So that was the, the, the check. Uh, yeah, this is the product uh, uh, has it's, I mean, doesn't have like fully, fully confirmed market, product market fit because I think that's a never ending story. You always are changing. The market has a high dynamic. Uh, the customer will change new functionalities. So product market fit, I think it's uh, something that uh, continue, you have to continuously working on. Um, but again, this year things have, have changed uh, dramatically overall. Do, do you think the um, kind of churn rate is also connected to, because I'm kind of brain, brain picking you around, you know, the mathematics around how, you know, good you're sitting on the churn rate and, you know, in terms of your revenue. And my question is, uh, do you think it also had kind of in, uh, influence or impact the fact that you were charging 12 months upfront? Um, and also maybe what's the, what's the logic be, uh, behind uh, selecting a, a kind of a pricing strategy like that? Well, for enterprise companies, definitely that, that's not an issue. Actually, that's how they are working with most of the, the other suppliers. It's a common thing to, to, ch to charge upfront uh, payments. Mm -hmm. Actually, it would be because again, for, for enterprise companies, monthly invoices, it creates more bureaucracy. And if you have 10,000 suppliers globally, yep. With monthly invoicing, it's not the headache. ideal structure. So it's it create, exactly creates a lot of headaches. So uh, you have a, a simplified upfront uh, payment. That's how LinkedIn is charging. That's how HubSpot is charging. That's how Oracle and all the other players. So basically, for us, the the pricing model more, was more like how are the other players doing mm -hmm. this way? Our companies. Uh, 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 comfortable with this? Yes, that's how we're gonna do it. So uh, uh, definitely, it's, it's very helpful for the cash flow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, that's uh, and for startups, cash flow, we all know it's like the most important uh, subject on another. Exactly, is the blood of the of the company. Uh, exactly. It should be on your agenda on a daily basis. So uh, yeah. Um. So you know, building a startup in Romania is kind of kind of difficult at times, and uh, and could be funny, right? Uh, because we have different barriers that we have to cross, right? Different bridges that we have to cross. Um, what what did you learn about scaling from Romania? Uh, like, is it possible to do so, or what's your strategy today? Two hundred percent is possible, uh, and it's a good thing that UiPath 
story happened because yeah. <laughs> for those who are skeptical <laughs> we have we have now we have a, a a dent in the timeline in right uh that it yeah, is an anomaly something happened exactly. there, so. <laughs> <laughs> so uh and of course there are there are other startups that are currently uh, scaling from the region like typing dna fintech uh, companies mm -hmm. from 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 poland so uh the ecosystem is growing uh but i think that the biggest challenge is the your own mindset it might sound like uh cliche this but it's 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 for at least in my case it was just like the mindset of of going global so i remember when i had the first business trip in hungary i was like man it would be like super amazing to have a paying customer in hungary that would be super amazing for for us uh and we signed the first customer in hungary it was like a a, a, a big achievement uh but of course your ambitions need to grow yeah like also when we opened the first office in bucharest uh, because we started in tugumulesh when we opened the first office in bucharest that was again like a huge milestone so and i think this was very helpful uh in the journey to have this ambition of taking the next step and being somehow like of, not of, I think afraid is not like anxiety about the next step, have some anxiety about the next step. Uh, and then again, ambitions were higher, going to Paris and then let's just go to Singapore and then let's, let's have a meeting in New York with the Fortune 500 company. That's, uh, so it was very helpful. Now the challenges are uh, also outside of your control. Like again, as I mentioned, there is this company from Romania, a small company, is a startup, signed with us, work with us, we are the best at this. Uh, so that has its, its challenges. Uh, and a lot of times you will question like, is this possible? Uh, like, I think that's, that's normal. If you don't yeah. do that, that's something is wrong, I think. Uh, so you will question yourself, oh, I'm in New York, will my business have traction here in the US market? Like for us, looking at the U.S. market was like, you know, I don't know, uh, NASA looking at sending people at, uh, on Mars. <laughs> so it was like a challenge. Like how are we going to do that? Uh, so, but it was good. And actually, the, 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 for us, achieving, like signing a customer after having a meeting this, uh, with our fun English, and it was very, very motivating. So it was, uh, we celebrated uh, each uh, successful uh, business uh, trip uh but again it it there are a lot of steps that you have to take in your mindset like my business is ready to hire someone outside of uh of romania like i don't know in germany or in in us how are you going to convince someone who is a top professional salesperson to to join your team or a top product manager so they need to see a vision a global vision uh, yeah. so uh, of course, there are there are entrepreneurs that have experience. They have built other companies that have successfully and successfully exited. Definitely, it's more helpful because they have the mindset from the beginning. Uh, but for most of them, especially from the region, it's something new. It's always a new. It's a new thing. Go to the U.S. Talk with a VC at high level from the U.S. and so on and so forth. Yeah, what I think and what I see is, uh, what I see that is uh, a cool thing happening is um, around the fact, maybe it's a planned thing and maybe it wasn't a planned thing. It was just, you know, just organic growth and minding your own business. But what I think it was really good uh, that it happened is that you kind of, 
stretched the growth of smart dreamers up to a certain point and you know up to that point you kind of get you kind of influence the romania's um uh you know validation and track record of that you know things can be done out of romania right and good quality things are built in romania i think that is one thing that kind of maybe each startup founder needs to take an account when you know he's building his startup kind of stretch the maximum go to the maximum point of where you have to decide okay next thing is new york next thing is berlin because in that in that i think in that process you know signing up enterprise clients and getting that buzz um, buzzword out there that you know smart dreamers has signed these clients these global clients um other customers other possible customers will see hey l'oreal just signed with smart dreamers from romania hey what's happening in romania i mean let's have a look on you know what are some of the quality companies over there so i think that's a good kind of healthy pr from kind of i mean for romania as uh you know changing the the branding <laughs> the branding that we had up until now of nearshoring outsourcing and stuff like that so i think that's a healthy thing that is happening um, 200% yes uh but since we're already talking about romania why do you think the startup ecosystem is still growing so slow what do you think do we need to kind of do more or less of well uh if if you are not somehow intersecting with a startup, it's very difficult. Uh, let's say, okay, you have like, I don't know, you're 25 years old and you want to start your career. You have to somehow intersect, at least from my point of view, you have to intersect with a startup to, to have the appetite for, for a startup. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say the ecosystem is growing, but as you mentioned, is, is growing slowly. Uh, the good thing is there's more money available in the market uh like i cannot imagine like comparing today with what was uh, four or five years ago so there are more and more money available currently uh and this is uh, the case also in hungary and in, in poland uh but there's no i think i don't know the what's the current structure with with the universities but i think there's a lack of uh startup mentality from an earlier age Mm-hmm. Not just when you intersect with a startup. Yeah. So, uh, for example, variables that are influencing positively the market, like uh, people from UiPath who are now doing business angel investment, that's helpful because those are people that maybe they worked in an enterprise company, but they have intersected with a fast-growing startup, starting working there and understanding what a startup is all about, going back in the ecosystem to feed, so to speak, other startups with with resources now if this would happen also uh, again like in universities uh, at an earlier uh, age so that people are not like when starting their career they will not look okay i need to start my career with an enterprise company right away uh, maybe they would maybe their startup ecosystem is something for me maybe i will do that and that and that would create a higher dynamic uh, but i mean Having a good knowledge about the Hungarian market, by the way, I think we are doing better than, than Hungary. Uh, and I mean, in terms of number, UiPath brought Romania on the map. Yeah. But leaving aside, like uh, leaving aside the UiPath story, uh, it, I'm positive overall about the, the the ecosystem, the way it's, it's evolving. Now, what we need to see more definitely is companies who are going past Series A. 
So, for example, fintech, typing DNA, uh, us reaching yeah. that point as well. So uh, we need to see more successful story, definitely, because if you only have one case, that could be an accident, so to speak. Yeah. So we need to have like a model, a pattern, like, yes, the ecosystem is producing other successful startups. But I mean, of, of course, like mentioning UiPad, we need to mention like also Avangate, Bitdefender, and, and other companies. So hopefully we will see more and more in the, in the near future. But the dynamic overall is, I would say it's, it's, it's definitely growing now. Of course, not at the right speed, but hopefully we're getting there uh, faster as time goes by. Yeah, I, I fully agree with you. We're kind of, I mean, we're kind of slow. And also, what I what I see is that we 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 lack heavily the university interaction. Um, but yeah, things like you you said in terms of UiPath, you know, and different business angels coming out from from enterprise companies, that is a super healthy thing for us. Definitely, definitely. Yes. And and again, the, the business angel, uh, we have six business angels in the business, by the way. So uh, I pitched a lot with uh, to uh, the business to business angels and uh uh the the market overall the ecosystem for business angel investment has has seen a steadily growth mm-hmm. uh, a good growth uh and uh, again those are the the people who take the highest risk uh taking a startup from from the scratch where uh to the next level for vc investment so business angel, that, that the ecosystem is highly, highly important. I would say probably is the most important, yeah. more important even with the than with the VC because you might have a startup that receives a VC, uh, sorry, a business angel investment, and you can go directly outside and search for. And we do have examples in Romania of, of startups who have received the business angels here in Romania and then went directly teaching with VCs outside of the region and receiving investment from VC from London or Berlin or other other cities yeah so exactly. that's definitely highly highly important so it's good to see more and more business angels being active in in the market you, you've mentioned you know the the need and the need of more series a based companies and you said that you're getting close or you're kind of over there over, uh, already like um if you already had discussions or you're prepping for series a eligibility how does that you know process look like run me through that where do you have to be if you're having discussions with different vcs um you know investment companies uh or what are some of the things that they are asking you if you kind of reached or have so i think the the most important aspect is the scalability so you need to have somehow created a pattern in the sales structure so that is no longer a question mark if you will grow or not Mm-hmm. Uh, but also highly important to mention like Series A is so like some companies are raising Series A like 2 million others are raising 200 million like Automation Anywhere for example the main competitor of UiPath their their press release was hey we, we received Series A investment 220 million or something like that so there's a, a huge gap in how people are interpreting uh, Series A investment yeah uh, but here in the region, most likely, I don't know, from my point of view, a Series A is plus 3 million, 4, 5, yeah. 6, 7, 10, whatever. But this Maybe even less than 3. Or, or even less or whatever, 2. But I think if it's under 2, most likely it's a seed. But anyway, it's 
there's no rule. There's no yeah. written uh, rule for, for how to define a series A investment. Now, going back again, is the, the, the pattern in, in, in the sales uh, uh, model. So you have more money. It means that you will scale. And there's definitely a path for series B. Because, mm-hmm. of course, when an investor gives you money, they already want to see, okay, what's the next milestone? When will you receive the next investment? Uh, so you need to have this predictability in, in revenue. And that's, that's super hard to achieve from my point of view. It's like very, very, very hard. How can you make your sales business model predictable? Yeah. And, and, and you need to have, and it's, it's basic math. You need more data, more data. So that means you need more revenue. You need more customers in order to make something predictable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. it's, it's pretty basic. Uh, but usually I would say, I don't know, as I've discussed with a lot of VCs from the region, uh, for Series A, they usually look at plus one million ARR recurring revenue. That's, uh, I would say, an eligibility uh, uh, threshold. Uh, having global customers who are very happy with your product, uh, you have re-signed them, you are in the second year of collaboration to prove the product market fit. Because, again, you can build a strong sales team and sell like crazy and reach three million ARR, but you might have a broken business model, product is not good, there's no yeah. traction, there's strong competition. So there are many, many variables. The fact that you have revenue is one thing, but it's not the thing, the only thing from yeah. my point of view. Even though VCs, of course, tend to be like heavily focused on, on financial. Uh, and it's, it's logical. It, it's, it, it makes sense to be more focused as the company is, is growing. Uh, so in our case, uh, we are, yes, we are preparing, but we have postponed like many other startups. We are more advanced, like at the beginning of, of the year. Uh, but uh, the current context have, have changed the business plan. So we are postponing for, for next year. Now our main, uh, main objective is to, uh, to sign new global customers. And U.S. is a key market for us. Uh, we have spent some time starting q4 last year in new york with business trips uh we recently uh started a a, a pilot with a fortune 500 in, in in the us uh with infosys uh so that's a very good uh, first customer to 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 have in the in the us market uh also we are planning to have someone full-time over there the first business developer so that's that's the the main focus what basically what i mean the logic in our business plan was let's build the basis mm-hmm. with our own uh resources like uh we don't want like for example with the us our strategy was not hiring someone without us knowing the market from from close up it's not like hey i have a startup come work with me sell the product over there and everybody's going to be happy happy you will have option pool we will make a lot of money everything is good uh um, our uh, philosophy was okay let's go in the market let's have meetings let's understand how the the, the customer behavior let's sign the first customers and then start bringing someone on board once we have already built something for for that person so i think that that's a good strategy uh because of course when recruiting someone bringing someone who has solid experience it's a challenge it's a challenge don't go and work for a high salary in an enterprise company. Come work in my small company yeah. <laughs> and things will be uh, spectacular and 
so on and so forth. So that's that's a challenge as well, by the way, bringing someone uh, on board. Um, so yeah, that's that's how Series A looks in a let's say very simplified uh, simplified uh, uh, version. Now, what I would also recommend here, by the way, from my experience, it's good if you can extend in in reaching uh, once you have global customers you can extend and reach vcs outside of the region and i think that's mm -hmm. important because you need to have a solid pipeline most of the almost uh, vcs will say no mm -hmm. that's normal it's like for all companies most of them like in the case of uipad when they received the first investment it was very hard for them to find a co-investor because ah there's no business here uh, so uh, you need to have a solid pipeline and that means you need to go also outside of the region and pitching your business in, I don't know, London or New York, San Francisco, yes. where, you, where you can. But you need to make sure that your business is prepared for, like, you, there's no perfect timing, definitely, but starting too soon is not very good and starting too late, again, is not. So you just need to, like, okay, this is a good time, let's, let's go ahead. Yeah. I think timing is really important in terms of, I mean, a lot of things, not only, you know, fundraising, but also the opportunity overall as general, overall as a, as a business, right? Position. Yes. So. so, yeah, I mean, for example, uh, after the UiPath story, uh, what happened, and I could have not imagined that this would happen, uh, is VCs from US starting con contacting uh, us and other startups. Oh, nice. Uh, big VCs, of course, they have team of people who are contacting startups. So they have like a sales structure internally. So they were starting, okay, UiPad, where are they starting in Romania? Why did we lose that deal? Well, we haven't, we didn't have Romania on our radar, right? So uh, it was uh, uh, it was helpful to have some VCs. Of course, we didn't discuss with, with partners, but just have an interaction with the big VCs from, from US is satisfying. Now, in our case, it was like, okay, guys, here we are. We don't have the attraction in the US. Let's just keep in touch. So we mm -hmm. were not aggressive. Hey, give us money right away. We, it's a super good timing opportunity and so on and so forth. So we need to, we want to have a compelling story like, okay, we have, do we have five paying customers in, in the US? Yes. Now with the good time, we have a compelling story. We can start uh, pitching and, and, and raise money. Yeah. And again, we have some, at least we have some experience of what it means to, to pitch too soon. Uh, or raise money too soon, or man. Yeah, but it's, I think it's a I delicate think, thing. I think if you go too soon, then you kind of uh, you know find out uh, where you are and where you are not in terms of your business and product and also financials. And you know, it kind of it's a in, in the same time it's kind of a consultancy gig that I mean, your consultancy that is you you are receiving. Yes. I could say more or less for free. I mean, there's some kind of time involvement yes. over there, but you know, is you know. You have consultancy straight from a VC telling you, you are not here, you should be here, so go figure out the strategy. <laughs> very good point. And that was our case, by the way. I'm very glad you, you brought this up because it was not like we knew this from like, oh, yes, we have solid experience and we understand and so on. Yeah. It was like we had discussions and we're like, guys, you won't believe it. We have this company and that company. And we're like, yeah, I know, but you need those numbers. Yeah. No, 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 you have no idea. We went to the second. Hey, guys, we have this and that, but you need the numbers. No, 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 you have, uh, it's, it's, you, it's your fault. No, okay, go to the third and then, wait a minute. There's a pattern here. Yeah. <laughs> There's a pattern here. Maybe we should change strategy. So definitely, yeah, it's, yeah. it's good to have feedback from, and from I think, the VCs. And I think it's a valid point for, you know, from looking at uh, the VC uh, seat. 
is that I'm pretty sure they have some kind of numbers or patterns, you know, where multiple companies came to their look at this vision. It's cool, super, right? Without figures or financials. And I think there's a pattern born within that space where, you know, a lot of companies that, you know, VCs may be invested in and they invested only on the vision, right? I'm not saying there are not companies that VCs cannot invest only based on the vision and the market opportunity and not having financials. But I think uh, there is a big possibility and chance to, within that space, not having financials, uh, that a big percentage of companies fail, right? And then the VC money kind of, I mean, they're lost, right? They're burned just like no ROI on it, right? So, yes, yeah. yeah. But I think... Uh, as strong, if you are like some on something big like technology, like very advanced technology that creates a strong, strong barrier, then definitely the numbers, uh, the eligibility numbers are changing drastically. So you might receive investment with zero revenue. You might receive tens of millions with zero. But these are very, very unique. So uh, talking about like, the broader landscape, definitely you need the numbers. Talking about like uh, exceptions, yes, no, there are startups receiving heavy investment, like uh, seed uh, investment of plus 10 million, but they are onto something big. Their technology is proven. So it's something yeah. special. Yeah. So I have a question around something that was um, really interesting uh, and that sound interesting for me when we touched base uh, the first time when we talked. And that is kind of the, the tech stack or product stack uh, in Smart Dreamers. And you talked, you know, uh, things around data analytics, RPA, automation, use cases that you use with some enterprises. Um, I mean, um, RPA automation. Um what is the cool stuff under the hood, right? I just want to listen from a product perspective. What do you have all guys over there build? Yeah, so uh, an enterprise company is using in average plus 100, 150, close to 200 tools globally, like job platforms, ATSs, different tools and recruitment. Mm -hmm. Most of the ecosystem is not connected because of the lack of API. So there, the, the ecosystem is highly, highly fragmented. Uh, and also when you have API, there are cases where the API is not very stable, is not well built, it's very difficult to have access. So it means that the so companies are hooked like in a highly, highly complex structure. And again, it might sound like uh, funny, but we see a lot of companies who are collecting data from multiple sources in Excel files, like manually, just, mm -hmm. hey guys, go <laughs> there in that platform, copy information, paste yeah. it in Google Drive or in Excel file. So uh, when we, from the beginning with the recruitment marketing automation, we had that automation as a basis of our product. And one of our customers uh, asked us, hey, we want to do some advertising on Reddit. This was at the beginning of, at the end of 2018, this was a global company. And uh, we said, sorry, but Reddit, they don't have any API available for their advertising module. So we cannot help you. You need to do it manually. And then we said, wait a minute, maybe there might be something here with RPA since it's like it's in this hyper growth mode. Uh, and we said, let's implement an RPA to automate Reddit as an advertising channel. And it took us three weeks to, to automate the, the process. Uh, we did it internally because we wanted to gain knowledge how to, to deploy RPA. 
So we were very happy that uh, the customer was happy. We, but then we said, okay, they have 100, uh, that client was using 155 sources globally, most of them with no API. So we said, how can, okay, if we need to deploy 100 RPA flows, how, how long it will take, uh, an year or whatever. So mm-hmm. this is not scalable. Uh, so I was with Mihai, I remember we, we, we were having a coffee and we said, wait a minute, can we may somehow take this like three weeks to a couple of minutes? Can we do that? Maybe we can do this if we build an extension and stuff like that. So that's how it all started. And we ended up in building a, a, a module inside the, the product that uh, scales uh, deployment of RPA in talent acquisition ecosystem. So... Uh, a process that is done in two weeks can be done in a couple of minutes. Yeah. And that brought the ability to centralize the full ecosystem of a company in talent acquisition into one product. And that was the jackpot for us. That is awesome. Uh, yeah. So uh, we can bring like, for example, when uh, in the hiring, uh, in the talent acquisition ecosystems, uh, you want to have a full picture, ideally a full picture about the candidate journey from all, where did it come from, from what platform, how much time he spent on the career page, what, what were the actions, and then you have data from the applicant tracking system. So now having this super scalable RPA structure, we are not dependent only to, uh, with, with API integration, to API integration, we can uh, centralize the ecosystem of a company without any with very few limitation, actually, mm-hmm. not without any, but with few limitations. So this was definitely, and it's, uh, it is today, uh, uh, and actually recently we deployed SmartMos Automation 2.0, where a non-developer can, can automate a process. Now, uh, the complexity behind is that, okay, you automate a process, that's, that's okay, but where the magic happens is having that flow already built in your ecosystem, so integrated in your ecosystem. So this is very helpful. Going back to my example with enterprise companies, uh, one of our customers were were asking their supplier, the applicant tracking system supplier, we want to automate that flow. And it took close to two years to have an automation. So that's the speed in talent acquisition, old school infrastructure. So yeah, we had five flows in less than one week up and running. So that was definitely a game changer for, for, for our product. So again, that's the, the capability of centralizing everything under one product. That's the core, core uh, uh, thing about the product. And actually, we are very happy. We have the validation from, from our customers that this thing is like super cool and helpful. But we also, when UiPath announced the UiPath Automation Awards, we said, let's give it a try. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are using uh, RPA, anyway, so it makes sense yeah. to, 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 yeah, to apply. And we won the, the scale-up category which was very satisfying because we had the validation also from, from UiPath specialists that, okay, and actually I saw like the genuine reaction from product guys from the UiPath team like, whoa, what the hell? <laughs> How? Well, that's a nice use case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's So you are democratized because actually this is, I mean, this, this is a fact. RPA deployment is challenging. It's not that straightforward. There, there are complex ecosystems inside the enterprise companies. There has to be a good understanding. Yeah. And actually, we have prospects who have bought RPA for talent acquisition, but they haven't implemented and it's more than one year. Why is that? Because 
uh, first of all, talent acquisition is not like the department with the highest priority in a business. That's a fact. And also when you ask a developer, hey, please deploy this uh, robot, that developer has to have a very good understanding in the ecosystem. So it means he has to learn the ecosystem before deploying. Ecosystems are highly complex. So, yeah. 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 Um, I agree. I mean, um, from, from an RPA perspective, there are so many things that, you know, you can um automate from uh, the legacy perspective that the the corporates have and um not a lot of them i mean okay uipath is 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 you know uh, uh kind of taking over the globe but not a lot a lot of them are challenging uh, their legacy systems and operations with the rpa module so that's a that's a really cool thing that is uh that's a, that is happening one thing that uh, I, w- I would be interested is um how did you this is kind of my final questions over here and i'm gonna step into a more maybe personal uh kind of experience of you being in this position and that is how did it change you as a as a person being a tech startup ceo uh so it was a dramatic change because again my experience previous uh, starting smarting was was mostly in sales so I remember when I had the first uh, meeting with one of the business angels and he said, Adrian, you have that, that's a good idea. And you want to be the product. Where's the technical guy? Where's the technical? Yeah. Well, we will have him. No worry. And we will recruit said, him. <laughs> yeah. Watch out. That, that's more difficult than, than it sounds like. It's super difficult to, uh, to find a, a good technical person to, to join your company or they have a lot of offers out there at the beginning you have no money and so on and so forth. So it was very challenging to, to shift from because you have at the beginning this ambition of building a company and it's, it's good to trust yourself definitely, but you tend to have more faith in you that in my, like it's again, it's hard to admit, maybe I don't, know this and i don't know that and i don't know that and i don't know that and that and that so always always one like one of the things that i uh, one of my, the, the personal conclusions in, in my journey was when i'm looking behind like three months behind i have to say whoa there, there was a lack of knowledge back three months ago six months ago if i say no there was no evolution in personal evolution like learning new things then it means we are I'm not on the right track so it was always about the the ability and my openness to learn new things and to admit that I have, I'm obliged to absorb a lot of things because otherwise there's not going to be any evolution. And the like natural human behavior is like, no, 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 I'm right. He's wrong. And like, for example, with discussing with investors at the beginning, you tend to say, my ideas is brilliant. They are wrong. <laughs> they are wrong. Yeah. And part of them are wrong. Yes, definitely. They are humans. Like I said, they, they, they make mistakes, of course. Actually, they make more mistakes than because otherwise they will have a positive, like more exits than failures. Uh, but it's, it's good to like, admit like, very fast, okay, there are many people t- saying this, so I'm wrong. And I think that's, again, and then it, it goes back to what I was saying with pivoting. It's more difficult than it sounds. And it might sound, again, to shake, like, no, just be open. And, 
but human behavior is human behavior. You cannot control like your, your emotions. Uh, and there were a lot, a lot of mistakes on along the way. And there are continuously, I mean, it's, it's normal to, to make mistakes. Uh, it's just how fast you can admit that there was a mistake and that because if you admit it you will no longer make it most likely you will say okay yeah. that that was a mistake i won't do it again next time uh so it it had a the uh definitely it changed me over like career perspective totally different and i think that's the opportunity of building a startup it will take you off, out of the comfort zone and you will learn a lot a lot of things like uh for example uh two weekends ago uh, I was like, maybe I need to do a video or product video, but I have no idea how to do it. Let's download Final Cut Pro. And yeah. again, I can have the approach. I like, know I'm, I'm found, I founded this company. No, I need to hire someone else. And I'm like, no, man, I want to learn this thing. Let's go. What yeah. the hell? Yeah. That's just, just if I can do it. So it was like this with also like with product and with other. And I think like with the product, by the way, it's highly important if the founding team is focus on on i mean it's aware of product how important of course there's a lot of dilemma is the product important or not and so on it's not that important most likely as developers tend to think or it or uh, product guys uh, uh, tend to, to think i mean for example if you have one competitor with a worse product but they have a better go-to-market strategy they will win definitely and we see this happening a lot but yeah. also it's Product is important, no doubts about it. So overall, it's important. Of course, the, the, discussion, the discussion is more complex. So in our case, the fact that I was starting focusing more and more on product, it meant that we had a very high dynamic in, in product. There was no process, like approval process, stuff like that. Let's have meetings. Let's see if this makes sense. It was just me and Mihai uh, having coffees in the morning and just let's do this and do that and that and that. So the dynamic in product development was very, very high. And I think that was crucial for, for us because it helped us again in the pivoting process uh, and also to satisfy the, the customer need. Because again, when you go global, you will, you will find new things fast. So it also means that you need to react like super fast. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So uh, that changed a lot. Now, uh, also in terms of like personal life, there are a lot of challenges. Uh, especially like uh, uh, three years ago, uh, my son was born, and I was very used to work like there was like like machine. Uh, exactly, <laughs> morning, night, yeah, uh, from Monday to Sunday. It's still the case. I mean, as as an entrepreneur, you don't see or whatever. You as, as uh, when you fund a company, your product, you are very motivated, and you don't interpret it as work. Like, like, hey, it's Friday, my happy. No, it's Friday, so it's just another day. Then it's Saturday, so I need to continue my work. But definitely, the, uh, I think the topic of building a company and having kids, is, it, it's a topic that has to be more and more addressed because uh, it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you need to have like an equilibrium between building a company and, and having a, a healthy personal life overall. But that's this is another like two hours podcast most likely <laughs> <laughs> on tips and tricks <laughs> how to survive life. exactly yeah uh, and I'm searching life. for tips personally <laughs> continuously. Um, uh, Adrian, there was uh, one more question. Uh, I have two more questions for you. Uh, kind of 
had one, but one I just uh, just came to me, and I, and I was thinking, I was thinking about it. Should I ask him or not? But uh, because it's kind of a, maybe as well technical, uh, and then I have a kind of a closure question. So my question is, um, listening to the first, the the kind of the the last thing, not the first, the the things that you were saying around the RPA and automation stuff. There is one thing that I'm curious about, and maybe uh, you could share with the listeners is have you ever done like um, a cost analysis of how much you save money for the enterprises by automating those processes like a, a muscle menos right not a, an exact thing but if you did it like what what are the findings over there so uh i'll give you an example that comes in my mind but and this is an important uh, uh, topic. You need to bring numbers. Like you are saying, use my solution and you will save X amount of money. So for yeah. example, with one of our customers, they were spending approximately 350,000 euro on the workforce to do those repetitive tasks. So wow. it was quite close to half a million. Wow. And basically our product was like, those all those tasks will be automated and um, the cost was approximately 35,000 euros. So it was 10 times. So improve your cost by 10. So that's, wow. and, uh, that's, and, huge. and that's, I think this is part of, this is part of the beauty with, with RPA. And one of the reasons why it's scaling so fast, because you can do the math behind like how much you are saving. Because if we take like our product overall, it's more difficult to give some numbers, not just like out of thin air, like real numbers, because uh, there are many variables that are not uh, uh, up to us. Like, for example, if tomorrow you will buy HubSpot, HubSpot cannot commit that how your marketing processes will improve, how much you will pay per lead and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. it means that it's uh, the, the buying process. It's a little bit more complex. You need a lot of more added value in, in, the, in the process. But with RPA, it's a little bit more straightforward use RPA and you will eliminate like how much you are paying the people, uh, whatever, 150 euro per hour. Okay, those hours are automated. So your return of investment is eight time or factor yeah. of eight or 10 or so on and so forth. So we are doing the, the, the math behind when discussing with, with a prospect. That is great. I wasn't expecting like a, a 10x, 8x. That was that was unexpected, but great. It, it can also be smaller, like three. Like for example, one of our customers who, who where we are using only for importing data, the optimization is like around like by a factor of three approximately. So it but varies a lot. That's still great. I mean, it's, not it's like, still great. Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Adrian, I kind of came, came to my final uh, final question, and maybe. A question a recommendation within a question so um what would you kind of recommend to the new startups over there in romania um to do uh at the beginning of their journey what should they focus on or careful of yeah this is a very difficult question by the way so i'm very skeptical <laughs> with offering uh, advices to to other startups and also receiving because you will it's very hard to curate between good advices and bad advices and you will have a lot from both uh, mm -hmm. but i think based on our experience fail fast i think is most important like but not fail fast as like in with your business overall but like with your strategy try something fast and give up uh, again like this goes 
uh, opposed to never give up. Mm-hmm. Never give up like like with your old business, but even there, uh, you might end up in giving up because it's not the right business and you should move to the next one. But in terms of business actions, uh, business strategies, act fast, fail fast. Uh, uh, you need to have this dynamic on a daily basis. Things are moving super fast uh, and growth is of essence for, for, mm-hmm. for, for any startup. And it will you will not have like a constant growth most likely you will have ups and downs uh and when you have the downs you need to understand fast i felt here here and here and i need to change that fast because it's pretty much impossible to have like a healthy business model from the beginning a healthy business structure actually i tend to say that startups have more problems than good things they have most likely a good product market it overall but they have a lot a lot of problems of course you need to prioritize those problems which is more important having the document structure internally or making sure that customers are happy so it's also about managing that uh, uh, which task has uh, the highest priority on your list so fail fast I, w- I would say it's a recommendation based on our experience I, I really like the way you explain it because you know there's a lot of kind of uh, global bias around fail fast, fail fast, right? But fail fast can be really daunting and scary when you say fail fast in terms of, you know, change companies, change companies. I mean, we have a limited resources of time and energy, right? I mean, you can build how much, you know, one, two, three companies maybe in, you know, in a lifespan. So, you know, explaining it like this, like fail fast within granular stuff with an overall overall vision or arch like, uh, mentality of never give up but you know change rapidly so you and you never give up by changing rapidly uh that's really great and i think i'm going to use it <laughs> i'm going to borrow it from you <laughs> as an explanation <laughs> because that that's uh that's something uh that's something that we we as well do over at uh, grai where we're running and um i'm managing um things with my partner madalina is that we when we talk with different businesses and it's not only tech we talk with businesses from various industries is that you have to really move fast and identify like the perfect strategy like you said it and uh, the strategy that brings you kind of right revenue uh interaction within your SaaS business uh SaaS product sorry um it could be like any kind of traction you would like to have right because once you get that i mean focusing on that first of all because once you get that that is the thing that vcs are looking for as well so you're nailing it two in one, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, for example, when we had the first uh, meetings with global customers, our product was not ready for, for selling. Mm-hmm. Like looking at the product functionalities, it was scary, actually. Mm-hmm. In some places, we have shown product screens just to it. So uh, it's, it's about moving super fast and understand the customer behavior, customer need even though your product so if you're waiting like i uh, let's have a perfect product or an optimal product not a perfect product it means you need to wait like one year without having any conversation with with someone that's that's not a good thing just go super fast in the market and understand the 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 behavior of the customer and so on and so forth and you can make changes faster in this case yes i believe speed is is uh, is uh, of the essence over here and that's something that we have to learn from the western kind of our Western colleagues and friends from the industry that we have to apply speed to whatever we're building. And the funny part is, and this is the kind of my final thing that I want to say, is that 
uh, yesterday I had the startup grind um, uh, event with George Roth, which is the uh, ex CEO of Recognos, and now you know he's leading uh, special partnerships at UiPath. Um, that he mentioned over there that they invested, like some of the money coming in into Recognos, they invested into new companies, new products, and they invested of, over a span of I think it was two years. Four million dollars, and they closed it after two years, <laughs> right? I think if I'm if I'm not wrong, but I, I can double check this. But that's that's such a pity because they were they had a, a co-founder that was a perfectionist, and kind of you know the perfectionist wasn't exactly at the context that a perfectionist was needed. So that, that was, was a bummer. bummer yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Awesome, Adrian. This was uh, such a cool conversation, full of insights, and uh, I definitely learned a lot. So hopefully, all our all our listeners uh, learn some some new things listening to you, listening to our conversation. Um, thank you very much for taking your time uh, to have a conversation on Tech Talk, and uh, hopefully, we're gonna see that Series A soon. <laughs> yeah, thank thank you, Stefan. It was very. I'm very happy to. We had this conversation. It's always good to to share ideas. Again, we are in a growing ecosystem, so we need to learn from each other. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to the next podcast uh, so I can learn from from the others as well. Uh, me too. We're preparing some new new cool guests. So yeah, keep in touch. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe, share, and review our podcast because the voice of our community keeps us going forward. Find more episodes and discover different perspectives about tech and business and in our daily life. Thank you.